Retro Hangover supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Studstill Smash the Milkman, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Liguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Keith Gasper, Discimera, Dave Jackson, Eric Guess, and Rick Firestone. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. Gamers, welcome to the podcast where we gently generate gizmos gathering gargantuan giggling gremlins. This is Retro Hangover. I am your co-host Chris Copeland with, as always, your host Shane. Don't feed after Dick I think that might have been like the most topically accurate alliteration that you've had in quite some time. I'm impressed. I I put in quite a bit of effort because I felt inspired after finally watching this movie that only 32 years late. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I, I honestly can't believe it took you that long to get around to watching it, but I'm glad that you did. I am glad to. We'll get more into that later, though. Uh, happy to have you here, Shane. We don't have a guest again, which I guess is fine. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, I have heard, I've heard tell there are rumblings that uh, perhaps some of our more frequent listeners enjoy having just the two of us on here on occasion. So, you know, br- bringing it back to the old school. It was so cool. That's right. Something about a fool. I don't know. You and I, we're both thinking about the same song. <laughs> yes, we are. Can't touch it. But today we are going to be talking about Gremlins 2, as as you have seen in the title, uh, mostly because we we couldn't find an original Gremlins game because this is the month of December. So Merry Christmas by featuring something that's not technically uh, Christmas themed, but it is because we say so. OK, Gremlins is close enough. There it is. Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate. OK, it's it's a good time. Hopefully, maybe depends. I think it largely depends on your extended family. It does. Or immediate family, sometimes. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) That's true. Just family in general. Yes. But speaking of family, uh, we're not talking about them anymore. Uh, Let's move in to what we have (laughs) been playing lately. Fantastic segue. Thank you, Chris. I know. I I just, I I gave up. Uh, So, Shane, (laughs) why don't you tell us about what's been in your console or on your PC monitor? Holy balls, I'm playing Elden Ring again. Oh no. Yep. You you said you brought it up. No. I did. It's it's like it's like uh what's that what's that law about eventually everything uh, mentions Hitler? What what is that? Can't remember what that was called. Um Kanye's law. Yeah, well, <laughs> that should probably be rebranded now, but anyway, yeah, so I finally got back around to firing up my save game in, in Elden Ring because I've been kind of not putting it off sort of because I got to a point where I just got kind of frustrated and I needed some time to step away. And then that turned into like months because we run this here show and have a lot of games to play and it's a hard life, but somebody has to do it. And so, yes, here we are. And you're welcome. But it took me a long time to get back around to it, but I did uh, this week. And uh, you know what? I actually fell right back into the groove. I respect my character. So now I'm using a, a giant two handed fucking colossal sword. And I think it's working better than my previous build. 
and I got I actually blew right past the section that was giving me trouble before. And that always seems to be the case, especially with like Souls games. If you ever get hung up on something like a boss or a certain area, just put it down for a while. And then for some reason, you'll come back to it a little while later and suddenly you'll just go completely through it with no issue. And you'll wonder why you were ever frustrated in the first place. That's just how it happens. I don't know. But yeah, so I'm enjoying it again, making more progress. I, I'm just about wrapping up the Lendell, the, the royal capital. And then uh, I'm not really sure actually where I'm moving on from there. I think probably um, what the hell is that place called? The Molten Citadel or something like that. Anyway, oh, I have no idea. I got to go. I got to go see a guy about a sword. So, yeah, there you go. Not about a horse. Nope, not a horse. It's a sword. Oh, yep. Okay. It's all about swords. Yeah, so that's that's actually been most of what I've been doing outside of stuff uh, for the show. Um, Playing this, of course, which fortunately did not take me very long. (laughs) No, it did not. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else important that I should mention that I have been playing? I don't think so. I I think that's actually it. So what about you, Chris? What, what have you been doing? I have finished final fantasy tactics war of the lions for my PSP. Nice. If you want to know how long I've been working on this fucking game, which has, it's completely unnecessary to be playing a game for this long, but I have been, if you go listen to what was it? The episode we did with Adam Blank, the Kirby episode. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first time I talked about it this year. That was all the way back in April, which means we probably recorded it in March. Mm. And here I am in December saying I finally beat it because I just got tired of playing it. Really? Uh, it's a great game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just got to a point, though, where leveling up my characters so they could go through the final run just started to become more tedious than than fun. And when I realized one of the characters who many fans of Final Fantasy Tactics are aware of, when I realized how fucking absolutely broken they were, the like final sprint to the end is just laughable because this character, uh, Sid, is just an absolute powerhouse and pretty much kills everything in one hit. So, yeah, I, I guess I cheesed it, but the game gives you the character to play as. So I guess that's, that's kind of what you're supposed to do or allowed to do. So I don't feel bad about it in the slightest, but I'm happy to be done with Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Lions. Finally, after all this time, and that means I can shift on over to E7 for my PSP because I didn't want to play a PSP game with one on the, you know, currently being played and not defeated yet. And hopefully once I get done with that, I can move on to the third birthday because I know Randall is is waiting for me to play that game. Our, Our amazing patron, Randall. Because I got a good deal for the third birthday from him under the guise that I would be doing a rapid fire review of it. And I've heard that game is horrible. So I'm going to just keep playing E7 and hope it's a nice beefy game uh, because I'm not <laughs> looking forward to playing probably the worst entry in the Parasite E franchise that ultimately killed it. But I will get to it. I promise, Randall. This is this is just me telling you I'm aware and it's going to happen. I probably shouldn't bring this up, but I, I do have third birthday, not a <clears throat> legitimate copy, but I do have it. And part of me wonders if, if I should play it. And then we guess we could turn that into a into a guide in or something. But I don't know. Huh. Maybe I'm signing myself up for pain. I did not know you had a PSP. I Yep, I definitely do. I, I I don't know if you're being facetious or not. <laughs> I 100% legitimately own an actual PSP. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I okay. Yes. I know what you, I know what you're talking about now. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And uh, before we get into the history of organized crime, I think <laughs> it would be better to talk about the history of Gremlins 2, the new batch for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And Shane, Mm. I don't think there's anyone better to give a brief history on this, uh, seeing as I didn't even watch this movie until recently. And you kind of insinuated that you really liked Gremlins 2, or at least thought it was better than the first. So if there's a person better to give a brief history between the two of us for the video game, I think it would be you. So here we are, Shane, with a brief history of Gremlins 2, the new batch for the Nintendo Entertainment System. (laughs) 
The 80s are remembered for a lot of things. Big hair, big personalities, big cocaine habits, and big box office blockbusters. Seemingly out of nowhere, Gremlins took the world by storm, maneuvering itself into the unique position of being a horror comedy Christmas film that was somehow aimed at both children and adults? We're not entirely sure something like this would fly today, sadly, but it sure did work back then. As with any appreciably successful movie, a sequel would inevitably come along six years after the initial release, marking the return of the adorably dangerous mascot Gizmo and a whole host of new, completely off-the-wall gremlin antagonists. The first movie would invariably receive video game adaptations, but mostly for microcomputers like the ZX Spectrum and Commodore 64, as well as the Atari 2600 and 5200. Even with the movie being a smash hit of 1984, there would be no NES release, with the system receiving its debut in the US the following year. However, by 1990, the NES was the must-have home console. Japanese developer Sunsoft would secure licensing rights to make a game based off of the imminent sequel. In October that same year, the game would see release in North America, with Japan receiving their version on December 14th. Europe would have to wait a bit though, not being able to get their claws on the copies until February 21st of 1991. Typically, this would be the part of the brief history where we tell you about the game's commercial and critical reception, but alas, there just isn't that much information available for this title. It seems, perhaps unfortunately, to have been unceremoniously lumped in with all of the other licensed games and largely forgotten about. Anecdotally, however, there does appear to be a lot of love for this game, with many considering it to be one of the best licensed titles on the NES. But look, it's Christmas. Is Gremlins 2 a Christmas movie? Well, no. But the first one is. So why didn't we play one of those adaptations, I hear you asking. Well, because digging up a ZX Spectrum or Atari 2600 game is like... A pain, man. Plus, I think we can all just agree that Gremlins 2 is a better movie anyway. And that is your brief history of Gremlins 2 The New Batch. Alright, thank you Shane for that, and I agree, uh, Gremlins 2 is the better movie. And if you're wondering why like the details on this were so bare bones, it's because if trying to do research for this game, it essentially says, Sunsoft wanted to make a Gremlins 2 game, and they did. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all it said. Secure the license, good for them. Go Sunsoft. And, uh, yeah, there it is. And uh, I don't want to play an Atari. 2600 or 5200 game right now i'm not in the mood so to speak and those games do not look very good this one might be a little bit more interesting we'll get to that but uh, first i think we're going to have very similar experiences here when it comes to personal experience with the game itself which probably will delve more into the movie i'm assuming so i, I guess i'll start out with this one because i had no experience with either hmm I had heard of Gremlins, too, because in 1990, you knew about the Gremlins, you knew about Gizmo, you knew about the merchandise, all that kind of stuff. It was pretty popular. Steven Spielberg movie. Of course it was that that man knew how to 
direct movies or produce movies that somehow captured the heart of spending money. And uh, <laughs> Gremlins was no exception. So here it was, you know, Gremlins was all in, up in everyone's face. I didn't even know there was a video game. In fact, when we were trying to schedule a, a game for this time period, like for for December, I just put Gremlins because I swore there was an NES Gremlins game. Uh, that's how unfamiliar I was with the video game itself. That's that sounds terrible, but it's <laughs> the truth. So this is pretty much my fault why we're playing this game today. But we'll get in whether that's a positive or negative experience. But before we do, Shane, what's your personal experience with all this all this craziness? Yeah, unsurprisingly, pretty similar, uh, at least for the game. Anyway, I had no idea that this existed. I did, however, as you alluded to earlier, watch the movie when I was a kid and. The the fun thing about that one is Gremlins, well, Gremlins 2 specifically always had this like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, do you remember when you were a kid and you like you experienced something like a game or a movie or, or something like that that was not your own? Like you saw it like a friend's house or saw it somewhere else and it always it had this like weird mystique about it because of that like does that make sense yeah it does yeah yeah like i watched it but i didn't like watch it all the time because i always saw it somewhere else yeah yeah and so this movie had that for me because i remember i watched it for the first time uh, at a friend's house um it was actually a family friend um it was my my mom and and their mom were like friends way back from like grade school and we went up and stayed over at their place for i think like a weekend or something to like hang out and whatever and they had three kids and so it was the three kids plus myself and my brother so five of us and they had gremlins too and so one night while we were there the parents were all hanging out in the living room chit-chatting or whatever and we went into the kids room and watched gremlins and i had never seen gremlins before prior to this And so this was like an experience and it was one of those deals where that's I think that's why it has that like otherworldly almost sort of mystique about it for me um, is because it was just such a fucking weird movie (laughs) and it was something that I was not expecting and I was still pretty young. I want to say I was probably like 10 or 12, maybe it almost felt like it was something we shouldn't be doing, but like. The parents were fine with it. They're like, yeah, that's, that's cool. Whatever. It's a little fuzzy gizmo guy. It's fine. Yeah. But that that's this movie kind of skirts that line, as we sort of mentioned in the, the brief history. And I'm not sure that it's something you get away with now. No, that's kind of my experience. I experienced the movie. I really enjoyed it. I think it's it's a fantastic piece of entertainment. If you're into that sort of like really off the wall, zany kind of shit. As far as the game goes, didn't know about it. Until Chris messaged me like way after the fact that we had already decided we were going to do a Gremlins game for Christmas this year. And he was like, so, uh, there's no fucking Gremlins game for NES. No. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) all right, cool. So, uh, Gremlins 2 it is, which honestly, I, I think maybe that was, that was a serendipitous decision. I think this turned out for the best. I tend to agree. Just based off what you've said before we got to this recording tonight, I think we might have a slight difference of opinion, but we'll, we'll, yeah, I'm looking forward to how we diverge in this. Speaking of the movie itself, and I guess how it compares to the game here, let's get into the plot and writing. Shane, what do you, what do you think of the way this game tells the story and how well does it compare to the movie itself? Well, so those are two different questions. I think the first one with how well it or how it tells the story actually surprisingly well which I, I think is going to be a common thread through a lot of this discussion. Yeah. But yeah, like, and this kind of dips into what I was going to talk about with graphics, I guess, but it is part of the, the storytelling. And, and that is that this game makes pretty liberal use of, of cutscenes, which is something that is not unheard of on the NES. I mean, like Ninja Gaiden comes to mind immediately, but you know, in some ways, and I feel like this might be crazy for some people to hear, but I actually think that this game does a better job with its cutscenes than even like Ninja Gaiden on some cases because it's got really good animation. Yeah. And very detailed sprites. Like when you see the cutscenes and you see like the big close ups of like Gizmo or like the other gremlins, they're presented like very well. And 
truth be told, if you don't know the story of Gremlins 2, you, the, this is not going to help you. So I'll, I'll get that out there right now, right? But those cutscenes don't tell you jack shit unless you kind of already know what's going on. Because I was playing this on the couch and my wife was watching me and she was like, what the fuck was any of that? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like yep, it's just, just the plot of the movie. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But yeah, it, it does follow the, the plot of the movie more or less exactly. I mean, it takes some liberties with how it's presented as far as the gameplay goes, but the general but need game. plot yeah. is basically the same. Yeah, I was, I was about to almost say the exact same thing that that you did. In fact, I pretty much will here is that like it surprisingly follows the movie to an absolute T. Mm-hmm. The problem is that if you're playing this game, you've never watched the movie like I initially did. You have no fucking idea what's happening. Nope. Like every everything there is meaningless. You you have to have a core understanding of the like what gizmo is or what the rules are and stuff like that. If you don't, you're going to be completely lost. It's just another game, which, you know, is is ironically something that a lot of retro gamers complain about when it comes to some of these licensed games is how much liberty is taken with the plot. And they really didn't in the cutscenes at all. But because it's so vague, you can't like tell the story in terms of speech or writing. Really, if you know nothing about the licensed property, you're it, it it's meaningless, just 100 percent meaningless. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it's presented 100% visually, like there's not even any yes. text or anything going along with the cutscenes. So, yeah. So I can't imagine like I can't imagine any good parent. But then again, this was this was parents that were right around Gen X probably wouldn't care much. But being like, oh, I just saw Gremlins, too. This is perfect for my four year old. <laughs> I'm just going to give him the cart. They're like, oh, I remember in the movie when <laughs> this happened. It's like, huh. I mean, I guess it's not as like violent and uh, dark as the first Gremlins movie is. I'll say that, too. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely more comical. It's definitely more suitable for children, I think. But like, I can't imagine me giving this to I can't imagine having my four year old watch Gremlins, too, is what I'm saying. And then I don't have a four year old anymore. They're much older. But like and then giving them this game and being like, yeah, like that's exactly what happened in the movie, son. We're. <laughs> They like ground the uh, or they put the gremlin in a wood chipper or a a, a paper shredder. But that's not what happens in the game, of course. But, you know, yeah, that you got to follow it to know it. Yeah. I mean, beyond that, I I don't think there's too much to say for the plot and writing. There really isn't writing such as it is. And no, you kind of like we said, you kind of got to know the plot. I did actually look because I've gotten in the habit of doing this, but I, I went and looked up the actual instruction manual. It does. It does have like a little plot synopsis in there. so. Assuming you bought this cartridge back in the day, even if you didn't somehow know what was going on in, in Gremlins 2, because I feel like it's fairly ubiquitous. Yeah. Chris missed it, but should we summarize it? Yeah, sure. We could we could summarize it. Actually, I'm glad you asked that. I have a summary right here. So there you go. OK, so uh, the magical collectibles store that Gizmo was calling his home was destroyed. It was basically bulldozed in favor of a skyscraper. And so the tiny monster finds his way into the newly erected building. So the the main characters from the first movie, Billy Peltzer and his uh, soon to be bride, Kate, having dealt with the gremlins previously, discover that Gizmo and a whole legion of these little bastards are now inhabiting the downtown building. And so the couple tries to stop them from spreading into the greater New York City area. But they quickly find that this batch may be unstoppable. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's your job as Gizmo to stop them. That's right. Not as not as Billy and Kate, but as Gizmo. Although you're Gizmo. Fun fact about that. Actually, there was supposed to be actually there was there's a Spanish version of Gremlins 2 that was released that actually is a side scroller. And you do play as uh, Billy Peltzer. And you use a lot of the same weapons that you find in this game. That's odd. But yeah, so that, that was that was an interesting little tidbit about that, I guess. Uh, do you use paper clips as Billy? Uh, I'm not sure about the paper clips. You do use things like the tomatoes and like the makeshift okay. bow and arrow and stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, that, that is pretty cool, I guess, if not sensical. But there is that. 
so yeah i mean i guess we're, we're talking about what kind of weapons you use is a good segue into the gameplay here and you know how how do you play this game and i guess i'll kick this one off uh as i said earlier you're you're gizmo you progress the game with with different variants of weapons so uh, it's a top-down perspective and as gizmo you start out with tomatoes that you can throw that's your projectile you use a projectile to attack and as you go through the game your projectile changes so you start with uh tomatoes then you get a paper clip no i'm sorry then you get like a match mm-hmm. that shoots fire then you get a paper clip then you get a uh, bow and arrow and then you get like a napalm bow and arrow uh, much like rambo like like you get in the movie you move through the stage and your objective is to pretty much just jump on various platforms and try not to die and there's plenty of pits and conveyor belts and fire and enemies getting in your way. And if you're not ready for Nintendo hard, this this game can frustrate you. But fortunately, <laughs> there is a password system, even if you only have one life, but you also have power ups and the ability to gain more life and to heal yourself through a shop that can be accessed once per stage once per like stage subdivision so like there's five overall stages that have two to three stages per level yeah so i actually you know i I have a lot of good things to say about this game and i didn't think that was going to be the case when we talked about playing it i just kind of assumed this was going to be a throwaway licensed game it is actually more than that which i am pleasantly surprised about as far as the gameplay goes i think yeah you covered a lot of the the high level there so, so I have some thoughts about the different aspects of it. Mm. Overall, I think the movement is actually mostly pretty tight and controls pretty well. I was pretty satisfied with that. One thing that I did note, by the way, and, and in case you're curious, this is not this is an over the top game. This is not a side scroller. So it's like, no, it's like Legend of Zelda viewpoint kind of a deal. So it has eight directional movements. So you can move up, down, left, right, but also diagonally, which Sounds like a minor thing, but then if you remember what era this was, where a lot of similar top-down games like this were still restricted to mostly just like cardinal direction movement, it, it actually is a nice addition. Um, it does allow for some more flexibility, and you definitely are going to need it with a lot of the jumping sections that they include. Yes. Especially in like the back half of the game, but I'll get to that in a minute. The other nice thing that I noticed, because I guess I'm just like, it's ingrained in me now that I just expect it from games of of this time period. But unlike a lot of 8-bit games, this doesn't have a stage timer. That's such a relief. Yeah, it is. It really is. And so you're just kind of free to take as long as you want. You can explore the level. Um, You can take time to strategize how you're going to, you know, approach a jumping section or particular enemy which is great because I really hate feeling that pressure of having to push through a level because there's just an arbitrary timer. So I was actually really, really happy about that. And it also does work really well in conjunction with that shop thing that you mentioned. So having like that, that door to this mystical shop kind of show up once per level. Is that his dead former owner, by the way? So I think so. Yeah. I was wondering that too. I was like, I, so I guess this is like some sort of supernatural, otherworldly, mystic, ancient Chinese secret shop. I, d- I don't know. I'm not sure. I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. But You've gone into a parallel dimension, Gizmo. I, yeah, I, I guess so. I am not dead here. It's like Ace Ventura when he's like astral projecting or something. I don't know. Something like that. But yeah, no, not having the timer is really great specifically for this because a lot of the times they'll put that door to the shop in a like somewhat out of the way place which does require maybe a little bit of exploring and so having the freedom to do that is 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 really nice so i did appreciate that they went that route with it how did you feel by the way about the 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 weapons like what what was because the way that they position them right is like that it's supposed to just be this sort of linear progression as far as like quality of the weapon is concerned like because you don't you can't yeah. swap between them they're just straight upgrades like whatever you pick up next replaces the other thing that you had before and you're forced to pick it up because that's how you end the level is picking that up like there's no choice there right but i disagree 
on one front as far as the the, the linear progression. So how, how did you feel about those? I didn't like the very last weapon. Thank you. I didn't care for it at all. Thank you. I, I did not like that it. That is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> but other than that, like, it's fuck. It's so good, man. Yeah. Like you start out with this, this weak ass tomato and it's, it's weak and like, it doesn't go very far. It, it takes a lot of hits to kill enemies. It only goes in the direction that you're facing mm-hmm. and you can't power it up. So, and you can power up all your other weapons, by the way. And like, so you start out with this really weak weapon and then the next one you get is this match and you power it up and then it goes three directions and it does more damage and it's awesome. And you're like, this is cool. And then you get the paper clips that go in three different directions in front of you. And you're like, I am doing awesome. Yeah, it's like a spread fire. Yes. And then well, then you get like the ultimate spread fire with the bow and arrow. Yes. And you're like fighting, firing like five different directions and like three arrows in front of you. And you're just like a, a mogwai of death. <laughs> and all you're doing is just you're just slaying gremlins and the and enemies everywhere. And it's so satisfying. And then you get like, it looks cool. With your little napalm bow, but you have to be very on target and it'll do a lot of damage if you hit them. Don't get me wrong, but like it really limits the scope of how much you can attack. Fortunately, like the last level is only like one stage in a boss. Yeah. And it's mostly platforming, very frustrating platforming, but mostly platforming. So I that weapon didn't irritate me so much. The final boss was way more difficult than it needed to be because of it. And I, I think the final boss is when it shows kind of the limitations of what the const- the control scheme was, because I think they were designing this more with being a a platformer in mind than any sort of action game. The action game is just kind of something yet you needed to do. Yeah, no, I, I 100 percent agree. I was I was actually really disappointed to pick up that last weapon because, you know, this, up, and, yeah. up until that point, like you said, it was this great progression. Every weapon got better. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. And then we got that the 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 bow and the makeshift bow and arrow. And when you get it powered up, like, yeah, you're basically you've got almost a 180 degree arc in front of you that you're just peppering with projectiles, which is super helpful in this game, because a lot of the enemies are much more agile than you are. And so they move a lot faster. They fly. Yeah. Yeah. And so like being able to not have to be super accurate was a boon and then you get this last one where you're like all right i'm gonna rain fiery death on these motherfuckers and it's a single arrow that when it hits it has an explosion radius and i'm like this fucking sucks like yeah (laughs) give me my fucking spread fire back like what happened And, and, and since you brought it up yeah i i absolutely hated the last boss it was fucking awful okay so this is unsurprising to anybody that's listened to the show, but like I definitely abused save states for this game, even with save states. And you can ask, you can ask Brianna this. This is the most I've raged at a game in like recent memory because I was sitting there and I reloaded my save state, like right at the beginning of the final boss fight. I shit you not at least 30 to 40 times. Holy shit. Yes. I that fight fucking sucked. I just could not get through it without getting fucking murked. And part of it was the the spider gremlin boss basically takes up almost the whole fucking screen. And in addition to throwing projectiles in your general direction, it will also just like randomly scuttle down to the bottom, leaving you very little room to maneuver. And you have to like move in a space between his spider legs back and forth, but his pattern's not always the same and the hitboxes are very touchy. So like, even if a a pixel of his fucking spider leg touches you, it's just, it's over. You just, and I'm like, Oh God, it was, I was, I was very frustrating at the screen so hard. (laughs) And that's the thing is like, uh, I feel like we're kind of going all over the place with the gameplay. Cause I have some other things I wanted to talk about, but since we're here, right, 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 right. Yeah. This game is deceptive <laughs> in that it starts out just like really easy, breezy, beautiful cover gremlin where it's like, all right, you know what? This is fun. You're 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 just a little fuzzy gizmo and you throw the tomatoes at the things and there's some platforming. But you know what? This is actually a good time. And like the game plays well, the game sounds good. Like, man, this is an enjoyable experience. 
And then like roughly halfway through the game, the difficulty curve is like less of a curve and more of like a fucking half pipe. A cliff. Yeah. And that it's just it goes from like, yeah, this is all right. This is not too bad to, hey, fuck you. Why don't you try to make this diagonal jump around a spinning ball and chain? Also, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, they do it all the time. Yeah, there's no. But yes, but there's one jump where they're just these square platforms and you are positioned at a diagonal to another small square platform with a spinning fucking ball and chain on it. So not only do you have to time jumping onto that to not get hit by that, but it's a very small corner of the platform that you have to then immediately jump to the next area or you get hit. And oh, there's knockback because of course there is. And you fall ass first into a chasm. So there's yes. So you're you're 100 percent spot on here with everything you're saying about. And you can't touch any part of the chain. No. By the way, no. Like the entire thing can hurt you. Even the pole in the middle. Even the pole. I'm like, what the fuck? Which is is gross. Like, (laughs) like I thought it was like going to use like Mario logic where like if I stand in the place where the chain is, the chain won't hurt me. It's just the spiky ball. That's the problem. But no, no, it's the whole thing. Whole thing. I think compounding on top of that is that the jumping mechanic, at least for me and the controller I was using was a little weird. Yes. In that it's. Like it doesn't want you to hold the direction and then jump. Thank it you. wants you to press jump and then hold the direction. Yes, this is ex- yes. is unintuitive. Oh my yeah. god! I, okay, I'm <laughs> so glad it wasn't just me because I said this exact same thing to Brianna when I was sitting there. I was like, "This doesn't make any fucking sense." I'm like everything I've learned in thirty some odd years of playing fucking video games helps me not here. There's nothing. I'm like. I, I'm, I know that I should be able to start moving and then jump to get the, the momentum I need to get no, across a chasm. But no, no, the <laughs> game's like, no, fuck you. You're going to fall directly in the hole every time. It's so unintuitive yeah. because it's like the, this game actually wants you to press jump first and then move. Yeah. Once you get that down, like platforming is a breeze, oh. but that's not how your brain is engineered. No. At least my, ours aren't. Because we've been playing video games forever, and that's not how you jump in, like, video game. That's not how we've jumped ever. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And and on top of that, like, the jump button, and again, this, I don't know if it was just me. I don't know if you had this issue, too, because I was gonna chalk right. it up to, like, maybe an emulator problem. But there are certain sections of the game where you have to jump onto platforms that are entirely conveyor belts, right? Yes. And yes. they're very short spaces and so the game requires you to basically jump land on the conveyor belt and then immediately jump again to not just get thrown off into the void right i died so many times because i would jump press the jump button again immediately and the game would just be like nah fuck you you're not jumping and i would just fall like it would not recognize the input and usually that's because you were probably holding down the direction when you press that button. Probably. Which the game does not want you to do. Uh, so, yeah, like you have to press jump, then go in the direction, land, like, like try to get on the conveyor belt and then like quickly remove the direction you're moving, press jump and then press the direction you want to go in and hope you have a good D-pad. Because if you don't, Gizmo can change direction midair mm-hmm. and he will. Uh, if if you are not 100 percent on top of your controls, it's it's very finicky. Sometimes it, it does exactly what you want to do for all the wrong reasons. And then it does exactly what you don't want to do for the wrong reasons. Um, there, there's been so many times I fell into the void, into these bottomless pits, uh, simply because Gizmo wanted to change di- diagonally near the end of his jump. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was like, ah, I, I chalked this up to not having any SD pad. I wish I had one. So it's a little harder to do that because I do want the original D pad. Just getting the diagonals with the with the controller I used seemed to be a bit of a pain unless, of course, it didn't want to be. So I, I do want to has I do want to put a disclaimer on there that I did not use an original NES D pad. Yeah, fine. And that and that and that's fair, because like, I think I also made my life a little bit harder because I. <clears throat> Uh, in full disclosure, I was maybe a little too lazy to come upstairs and grab my 8-bit do, so I just fucking oh, no. used my Xbox 360 controller for this. Oh, 
and uh, <laughs> that mushy d-pad did not do me any favors uh yeah yeah i will say this this is where the game can be forgiving that if you go to the shops and you buy the balloons yeah the balloons are awesome because you'll fall in that pit and you can use that balloon and you can move like pretty far like well beyond like the the, the pit you're trying to cross into like an entirely different section of the level yeah and yeah so if you buy balloons you're you can skip entire portions that would otherwise be very difficult. And I think that's a boon for this game. Like, yes, it's tough, but once you learn what it wants you to do, it's fair. And there are mechanics that are very forgiving. I mostly agree, but I, I kind of feel like my take on it was a little different in that overall, I, I actually do really like the item shop mechanic. I think that's a really great addition. It adds some depth to the game. It's not just a straight platformer. Like I said before, the fact that that door shows up in weird places sometimes encourages you to explore the levels, which is awesome. And also just the fact that when you kill enemies, they drop the crystal balls, which are the currency that you use to buy stuff. Also really just encourages you to encounter and defeat enemies rather than avoiding them. So it's a it's a good loop. And I don't think they respawn. No, I don't think they do. So, like, I like that system. Uh, My issue, though, is that a. Even if you have enough currency to buy everything in the shop, it only allows you to buy one item. Yeah. And then it disappears per level. And that's it. So you do have to make some sometimes some pretty tough decisions like between do I want to refill my health or do I need a balloon to avoid dying in a bullshit jump? And, and that at that part, the second part is actually the part where I think it's less in my opinion, the boon, the, the balloons are less of like. A cool thing to have and more of like almost the developers apologizing <laughs> in that like it's like yeah listen like we know that these jumps are kind of horseshit so we're gonna give you this item to basically completely circumvent some of those i just feel like maybe we could have and i get it like the balloons it's like part of the movie okay fine but it could have just done without the balloons and maybe made some of the really infuriating jumping sections like less of a bastard like that's that could have been an option. Yeah, but I mean, when you consider how short the game is, yeah, I, I can understand why they made it that difficult, especially with the fact that it has a password system. Right. And I, I know I can hear people screaming at me over my criticisms of Sonic 2 saying, <laughs> oh, bad guys come out of everywhere and there's some bullshit mechanics that just force you to die. Look, Sonic 2 doesn't have a password system and it takes about two hours to finish. You can finish this game in under 30 minutes. Yep. If you know what you're doing. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it's it's hard intentionally because I think it's more like a shmup where if you memorize it and you can practice levels, depending on what what passwords you have. Eventually, there's there's a level of mastery that you can have here and you can you can get rather quickly by learning those levels. I also like the fact that once you get the power up, as long as you don't die, you keep your power up. Yeah, that that you that is you don't nice. have to keep buying it. Yeah. Yes. Because, yeah, because the power up is an item that you have to buy in the shop. And and yeah, I was concerned that when you picked up a new weapon, it would just like reset. But fortunately, that that is not the case. So that is definitely nice. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're talking about like the Sonic 2 comparison, there definitely are. It's apt. It, well, it is. It is. But I think mostly I think due to the, the length difference. I feel like this game is less egregious than Sonic 2 in like right. the BS mechanics because there are definitely some cases in the levels in this game where they will place something exactly where it fucking shouldn't be just to screw with you. And like there's there's the one that comes to mind is there's certain areas where gremlin hands will pop up out of nowhere on the ground and then throw projectiles at you. Yes. And there's one area where you're on a large conveyor belt that you have to jump from one to another while also shooting gremlins that are positioned above you and you're jumping horizontally. And then once you get to the end of that gauntlet, you're like, oh, good, I finally made it. And you see solid ground and you jump from the conveyor belt to solid ground and the game's like, "Mm, get fucked and pops up (laughs) an arm right on the solid ground where they know you're going to land and then you get bumped and fall into the hole. <laughs> so it yes. definitely does that stuff, but I feel like it's, it's less infuriating because it's not a two hour slog. 
Right. And you can technically save it like I like I previously mentioned with the password save. Yeah. Yeah. And that helps a lot, too. Yes. Uh, again, like I said, it's it has a lot of bullshit, but that's why I say it still feels fair. Like when I died, it was more like I felt like I sucked than the game putting some bullshit mechanics in there. There's plenty. Like I said, we already said there's plenty of bullshit here. There is bullshit. Tons of bullshit. Yeah. But it's overcomable. And you can I think it tries to teach you to overcome it. And again, we I said this in the Sonic episode as well. This isn't an era where you got a game. Your parents bought it for you for fifty dollars, which is like one hundred dollars plus today and night for like nineteen ninety money. And if you could just beat a game without really thinking about it in 20 minutes, that would be absolutely absurd. Yeah. So it, you need something more difficult. I mean, it, it doesn't really translate well in, in today's gaming world. But it, it's definitely something I could at least understand in 1990. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, and you, you really do have to think about it, like in context of, of the time that it that it came out. Yeah. And I guess one one last point uh, on the gameplay, a, a positive mm-hmm. thing, actually, is just that. I mean, I think overall it's actually pretty positive, but I, I did really appreciate the enemy variety, too, like especially for such a short game. Yes. Like there's a lot of different enemies and they all for the most part, act differently, which is actually pretty, pretty refreshing. I will say unequivocally, fuck that top hat gremlin, but (laughs) yeah, fuck that one, dude, fuck that guy. But other than that, I I was actually pretty impressed. And for the most part, actually, the boss encounters were really cool, too. Uh, Visually, I liked the spider boss at the end. But as I said, the mechanics were shit. But most of the other encounters were actually pretty enjoyable. So so overall. I feel like my take on this is like if someone were to mod this game, like ROM hack this to fix the controls so that it would jump like a normal person expects a game to jump. I actually think that's like one of the only things I would want changed. I would 100 percent agree with you. The only deviation I would have with the encounters is I, I didn't think the bosses were necessarily cool. I think the first one was. And I've already griped about the last one, but I actually think the bosses were a little bit too easy. There's only four of them, by the way. Yeah. The first one is is pretty cool. And that's just because of the limitations of your weapons. Mm-hmm. So if you go in there with the match thing, like the, the first one will keep you on your toes. And then after that, like the one with the paperclip and the bow and arrow, it's mostly war of attrition. If you go in with enough health and you just keep on pressing the attack button in their general direction, they're going to go down really quick. And you're not even going to have to really think about what you're doing in those boss battles. but that's where the final one comes in. It's, it's rather cheap. But yeah, other than that, I, I 100% agree with you on all the encounters. By the way, what I did notice, too, and this is like if you play this game, it'll be really useful to have a turbo function to your attack button mm. because the top hat gremlin, if you continuously attack in their direction, all the top hats won't hit you. You'll knock them out of the air. So you, you won't in, you won't incur any damage, but you have to continuously attack. So getting a turbo function for your attack button while while you're playing this is 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 amazing as a game changer that will make dealing with some of those more frustrating enemies even better. I think we're going to stick on this positive note about how it's shaping up and looking for Gremlins 2 and in terms of how it holds up today. And and how does it look, Shane? How, how did you think of the graphical presentation for Gremlins 2, the new batch? You know, right from the title screen. And all the way through to the end, I I have to say that I was unironically actually pretty impressed. The game looks good. Like for an NES game, I think this game actually looks really good. There's a lot of great sprite work that was done here, as I kind of alluded to earlier. I think they definitely made a smart choice with going with uh, bigger sprites in game, Mm -hmm. particularly with Gizmo. Because it would have been very easy for them to do um, just smaller sprites like a lot of other NES games do where you kind of like it's like communicating the idea of the character where you're like, ah, yes, I recognize that character silhouette and the colors they used. But beyond that, I'm just assuming that that's the character because kind of hard to tell. But with this, that is not the case at all. You have a very nice big gizmo sprite. It's very clearly him. The the throwaway enemies, I felt were kind of like whatever, like they weren't anything to write home about, like the spiders. I was just like, eh, OK, fine. Right. The rats. The, honestly, actually, that sprite kind of sucked. But <laughs> yeah, besides that, the, the actual like gremlin sprites, by and large, 
I thought were were really well done. I thought all of the environments were varied enough. And again, I, I think the artwork was was pretty good. I want to especially call out the animation on a lot of things. Yes. Like the animation is super smooth, especially for an NES. And this even goes down to like some of the small details that you might not otherwise notice. Like one of the boss fights, there's two like green ooze pipes that are just spewing this like liquid on either side of like your boss arena. And I know this is a really weirdly specific thing to point out, but the liquid animation on that, on those two pipes is like really smooth, like oddly smooth for an NES and the character animations too are very like detailed and expressive. Like somebody didn't get enough credit for like the fact that this game went under the radar, I feel like is actually a huge disservice because there was like a lot of really good attention to detail here. Yeah, I would agree with almost everything you're saying here. I, I think like what hurts this game the most is more the color selection and shading mm-hmm. that was taking place in the stages. There's only so much the NES can do, right? Yeah. And it's really hampered by its license. It really has to look like the movie and and take these intellectual intellectual properties and make them resemble what you want them to resemble. It's not like what Sunsoft did with Batman, where <laughs> like they could just make Batman purple <laughs> and no one gave a shit. Like this was a lot more up close. So I think the expectations, at least probably by the developers, were a little bit higher on themselves and probably from, you know, the the people who gave them the IP and say, hey, you need to do this. Yeah. That's true. It is it is a lot of like light brown and gray. Yeah. The environments themselves I wasn't too impressed by. I didn't even notice the ooze, by the way. I need to take a look at that. But like the stages themselves, yes, each stage is distinct, but they don't really change up any way they look. In fact, there's there's some levels, I think it's level it has to be three or four. Uh it's not the electric level. Oh, and not the like the office level is pretty bland, it's very repetitive. Like the electric level is very repetitive. Like it doesn't really change much as you move through the level. Mm. And then you get to a level just feels like a a hodgepodge of slapped together assets where you have like conveyor belts and lava and different (laughs) platforms. That that was the clear point where they ran out of ideas, I think, because it was just like, yeah, this this whole fucking thing is based on a skyscraper. Like what what else do we do? They're like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Video games have lava and spikes. Let's just do that. Yeah, I always kind of think of the gold standard as Mega Man, and it's not at a Mega Man level or like Mega Man 2 level. It's Mm. it's not close to that in terms of just overall design. But you're right, like the animations, Gizmo's animations are incredible. Boss animations are incredible. It's just the environments are kind of bland. But like you said at the beginning, we were talking about the plot writing. The transition scenes Mm -hmm. are probably some of the best graphically designed games for an NES game, like an like of the era NES game, not homebrew, not aftermarket. It looks incredible, mm-hmm. yeah. especially for 1990. They oh, like those those transitions. Gizmo looks like there's nothing. It looks like this could be a Super Nintendo game in those scenes. Yeah, the, or at least a Sega Genesis game. It looks so good. And I can't believe they got that out of that system. Like good on them. Good on the graphic designers for making those transition scenes and making them good, look as good as they, they do. That's almost worth the price of admission alone, except when they try to animate Billy. Billy looks weird, but <laughs> definitely like the gremlins and gizmo. They, it looks amazing. Like hats off, man. Such a good job. But I mean, this is a Sunsoft game and it's, it's really hard for me to expect any different. If you're familiar with the Sunsoft library, they do a good job in this department. And that's another thing I'm, we're going to get to here is with the music and the sound. Mm. And I got to say, the music in this game, it's not like the best Sunsoft effort. I think they certainly did better with Journey to Silius and Batman uh, to say Batman again. But like the music here is really fucking good. It's well designed. It sounds good. It's well composed. Good sound selection. I just like it's it's solid. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, too, because like uh, the the very first level, the the backing track for the first level, I immediately thought. This is this could have been in Ghosts and Goblins and like no one would have known the difference. No. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's it's and that's that's a compliment like it. Yeah, you're right. Like the music uh, there isn't actually I don't even think there's a single track that I dislike. I like some more than others. Like I actually think stage three's track is my favorite. It's just because it's got like that that upbeat but like urgent sort of like spooky vibe going on. But it's got a really great like bass line. 
Um, so I think that one's probably my my top pick. But but yeah, man, like overall, I was really impressed with the composition of the music and not just that, like the sound design, like you said, is is really well done. Like the sound of hitting enemies is super satisfying. Your jump sound is like sufficiently springy. You know, the the item pickup effect is like on point. You know, it's very encouraging and upbeat. Like I, I can't really think of anything that I actually disliked. Yeah, the presentation, the presentation here is is super high quality. I think the other th- good, great thing about it is that they took a licensed game and they made music for it that was original and sounded like it came directly from the product it was trying to represent. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like they were trying to recreate a song from the Gremlins movie, even though none of them are even part of it. That's really important when you're trying to nail the feeling of a licensed game, which is what so many licensed games get wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know, man, like the presentation top to bottom, whether we're talking about the, the, the aesthetics or the audio, it's outstanding. It's, it's not like the cream of the crop, but it's like just below the cream. Yeah. Like I said before, it is like surprisingly good. And I think that's yes. the thing is if this was something where you're going into it expecting like a super high quality, you know, like like you said, like a Mega Man tier quality or something that we might be a little less superlative about it. You know, we'd just be like, yeah, it's it's good like you. But we expected yeah. it to be good. But going into this, I was expecting this to be a fucking trash fire, if I'm being totally honest, because it's an NES licensed game. and. Instead, we got this, which I think is actually kind of criminally overlooked. So very much. Yeah, so. I think yeah. it's actually a really good package. So, yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't have too much more to say about the sound. It's just it's good. No, you should go listen to it. So I guess now uh, we, we don't have any miscellaneous. I don't think today. Uh, any fun facts unless you do, Shane? Uh, just a, a couple tidbits just to kind of fill it out, I guess. I kind of mentioned it earlier but just to elaborate a little bit because there's actually kind of a an interesting little bit about it here okay that spanish version that i mentioned so there is a a spanish company called toposoft and motive time and they developed that side-scrolling gremlins 2 game that i mentioned it was for the amiga the atari st the commodore 64 dos msx blah 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 whole bunch of shit and it was distributed in spain but the thing is, it's the, it was the first time that a Spanish video game company got an exclusive license from a Hollywood movie to make a video game, which is kind of cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. And as I said, that game, you do not play as the, the adorable, lovable little gizmo, but you do play as Billy Peltzer and you use a bunch of different weapons. Some of them are crossovers from this game, like the tomatoes, but he also does things like flashlights. Don't ask me how that works, I guess, because of the light exposure and uh frisbees and stuff and there's like five levels so pretty much similar in that sort of structure to this version um but with that one you're supposed to be locating specific items i guess to get the game's quote-unquote good ending so so yeah just a little thing about that i thought that was kind of a cool historical note as far as it being the first uh spanish company to get a, a hollywood license like that so yeah Outside of that, uh, I guess to note that there was a DOS game that was released in 91 for Gremlins 2. It's not good, so don't bother <laughs> playing it. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to look at a long play, I'm sure there's one out there. And not at all related to the game at all, but this is just something I learned in the process of looking into stuff for this game for the episode today. But for some reason, I was not aware that Howie Mandel was the voice of Gizmo. Did you know that? I did after I watched the movie. <laughs> I, for some reason that never, I, I did not pay attention to that part, which is I had no crazy idea. to me, but there you go. Yeah. But that's it. That's all I got for miscellaneous. Okay. So I guess this is why well, we're, we're here quick. We're going to talk about whether or not this game has held up today. I'm, I'm having a good feeling mm. for once. Yeah. I'm having a really good feeling. Strange. You want to kick this one off, Shane? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I guess if it wasn't, clear at this point i I would say yes like i overall i think this game holds up surprisingly well just as an overall package i would recommend people go back and play this even on original hardware because as chris pointed out the password system it's you know it's no it's no save battery but it's better than nothing and 
it you know you are gonna have some nintendo hard moments like we said some of the platforming is kind of bullshit and there's at least a few encounters that are gonna infuriate you but on some level you do kind of have to expect that from this era of gaming and comparatively to other things like say ghosts and goblins this is not on that extreme end of the difficulty spectrum so it's definitely doable and the password system does help a lot as well as the items that you can pick up in the shops yeah so overall yes i actually think this is this was a fantastic like game that i was not expecting to enjoy as much as i did it's also not expecting to rage as much at the end but uh <laughs> you know a little 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 tit for tat a little ying for yang i guess but uh but overall yeah like you you could you could spend like an hour or so of your time in way worse ways yeah i thought i was going to come into this episode and say yes but barely but i think this is the first time in a while i'm saying a solid yes i really liked this game it's it's not like i i said this earlier and i'm going to say it again it's not at the same level as Sunsoft's other efforts like Batman or Journey to Silius or Blaster Master, right? But it's still like this is peak Sunsoft when Sunsoft was really good. So you're going to get a good game here. Yeah, it's going to cause frustrations. But once you learn how to play this game, it can be beaten under 30 minutes. So it, it, it expects you in a Nintendo hard sense to get good. It teaches you to get good and learn the game and play the game it wants to be played. And that's what people mean by Nintendo hard without it going too much into the realm of being absolutely totally unfair. I think that this game's difficulty balance when you consider its length and what it offers in terms of password system is almost exactly what it should be. It really delivers on almost all fronts. Again, if I was going to give this a numerical score, it'd probably be a seven. Like there is room for improvement, but I still can't shake the fact that I'm walking away from this game. And the further and further I get away from it, the more and more I realize I had a really good time and I haven't had a good time with a Nintendo game like this going into it blind in a very long time. So, yes, absolutely. I think that Gremlins to the new batch holds up on your Nintendo Entertainment System, and you should give this game a try with fully acknowledging, yeah, it's not for everybody, but no game is, right? Mm. So definitely saying, I'm giving it the thumbs up. Give it a go. Well, there you have it. I think it was an unusually positive episode for us. I know, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has. Silent Hill 2 is the last one, so... <laughs> I guess that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. I know it won't happen mostly because of licensing issues, but I, I really wish like th this would be a perfect game for like a remaster or a re-release. Like, Oh, definitely. Just uh, like I said, a little bit, of, a little bit of tweaking. And I think this game would be in a super sweet spot. Sell it for three bucks on steam. And I think it would work. Yeah. There you go. But yeah. uh, alas, we, we will have to sit and, and hope. I suppose that about does it for us um and say it's actually a somewhat short episode this time around um so so there you go we're we're being considerate of your chronometer even on the on weeks so you're welcome pow, 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 pow. but as far as we are concerned if you are listening to this then guess what you've already found us so hi hello hi welcome hey there we're glad that you're here bienvenidos we hope you enjoyed your time with us and uh, if you would like to engage with the show uh, beyond just listening to it in your podcasting app of choice, then you can do that and we make it simple. All you have to do is head on over to linktree slash retro hangover. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash retro hangover. And uh, you may choose the destination that suits you best, whether that is our social media accounts or perhaps our YouTube or the Twitch channel, or uh, if you'd like to support the show, you could also head over to the merch store or become a patron. Speaking of the patrons, Chris, what what's going on right now on our on our Patreon? Yo, if you head over there right now to patreon.com uh, slash retro hangover, you find it in the link tree that Shane just mentioned. You could sign up for as little as one dollar a month and you can listen to our current ongoing series our new series 
the King of Games 1992. We have representatives from over 10 podcasts and YouTube channels. And I it's it's an incredible effort that we all put together. And it's it's going right now. If you want to listen to it early, what I mean by early is that it's not going out to the general public until at least April and it being December. That's plenty of content you can get before everybody else. So if you're interested in listening to the King of Games 1992, head on over to our Patreon. We're talking about games like Sonic the Hedgehog 2, like Final Fantasy 5, like Turtles in Time, like The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, like Street Fighter 2. So head on over to our Patreon if that interests you. And yeah, any single tier, you can you can listen to that show. Love it. All right. So there you go. Well, I guess that means we're going to wrap this thing up. So uh, until next time. Play with your Rambo cute little gizmo joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four-ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in headfirst with full 12-ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash rhpbones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.